But, but in the end, we're going to see God saves them anyway, and it's really the kind of ridiculous juxtaposition that really shows how God was the one who was really the one uh, saving the day here. But in the midst of it, you've got uh, you've got some humor. You've got this really interesting dialogue with Jonathan and his armor bearer, and, and Jonathan really is the one who kind of shines a little bit more than Saul here. So a lot of fun stuff on the story, a lot of... Uh, verses also to cover so we're going to have to move kind of quickly here uh, mm-hmm. but lots of good things for us and joining us today uh, for the conversation we've got pastor Stephen tice from frona missouri good morning good to have you back brother how are you good doing? morning thank you sir pleasure to be able to be on the air with you and on streaming services as well yeah 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 it's great to have you back and uh, for a for a fun chapter here, you know, this is just one of these where um, it's just it's just a cool story, right? I mean, like yeah. in the same way that you know the crossing of the Red Sea is just a fun story to tell. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, like, like I was saying, you know, it's a uh, it, it really is an interesting conclusion to the things that we have read, and and the things that we have read so far have been kind of uh, well, not kind of, but like pr- pretty pretty negative, right? Like that, you yeah. know, there's, mm-hmm. there's the confrontation between Samuel and Saul, and You'd sort of think that maybe everything's going to wind up in disaster here, but but God surprises. And and this is this is God at work using His people. And I was just reflecting on uh, the reading today. For those of you who make use of it, the Treasury of Daily Prayer was from Second Chronicles, and it concludes with the the fall of Jerusalem. But it points out that these kings that come much later than Saul still have God's constant messengers coming to them because God cares for his people. And because of that, God never turns away until the people have emphatically said, we will not follow you. And and so Saul reigns as king over God's people, so God keeps Saul functioning for the good of his people. Right. No, no, that, that's true. It reminds me um, really of a few chapters ago. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was in, I think it was in... Th- was it 12 where uh samuel's confronting the the people and yeah. saying you mm-hmm. know hey you, you you guys you know messed up with with this whole demanding a king business right but, you know at the end of it even after you know he's really you know laid into him uh you know he says you know but but hey um i'm still gonna pray for you i'm, I'm still gonna teach you mm-hmm. uh, what's good so uh just just because there is this, as you were saying, this chastisement of, of Saul and even um, announcing that, you know, I mean, Jonathan's not going to be king after you. Right. God still blesses Jonathan and protects him and gives him the victory. So you're, you're right. I think it just highlights mercy of God like that. Yeah. Constantly giving to his people that which is good for us. A- amen. Yeah. Well, before we read the text, uh, how about we go ahead and just... Uh, read through the chapter, and uh, as we get started, Brother, Mm -hmm. would you please open us up with a prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Almighty and gracious God, you have called your people to walk in your way. Again and again, we stumble and fall, as did those who came before us, and yet you remain faithful, and you remain constant. Continue to walk with us, Turn us to your way again and again. Fill us by the power of your Holy Spirit with the peace that only you can give so that focusing our eyes on Jesus in your word, we see your rescue, not just now, but for eternity. Enable us to share this good news with others that they too might rejoice when Christ comes again. Until that time, keep us safe in the faith through Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So chapter 14, anything else um, that you might want to say by way of introduction or anything to, to point out? This is, is yet another uh, chapter, very name-intensive, uh, yes. both in terms of the uh, p- person names, but also you've, you've got some um, different place names because there's all this troop movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, any, anything that might help us navigate the chapter before we read it? Well, I think uh, two things that, that stuck out in my mind. One was that the Philistines controlled the, the iron trade, if you will, and right. so that when it came to weapons of war, the people of Israel have a, 
a limited supply of military equipment, and yet mm-hmm. God will use what they have to accomplish his purpose because he is the one fighting for them. The other one is that Saul is not a great military commander per se. He is God's instrument to accomplish God's purpose. As you mentioned earlier, it's almost more like Jonathan is actually the military um, strength of this particular family. God continues to use Saul, but it's because God is using him that the work is done, which is still encouraging for you and me today that it's Mm -hmm. not dependent on the person. It's dependent on God using us to do his work. And and that's an interesting point to think about how Jonathan is maybe eclipsing his father here. And there's, I think, a few elements that that really is going to kind of make interesting. We'll we'll notice that he doesn't tell his father about his idea is is kind of one Mm -hmm. of the things I think that relates to that. Um, Another, you know, I think it takes us back to the previous chapter, how we were kind of struggling with, okay, when is this story happening? (laughs) You know, we we were looking at how there's clearly Mm -hmm. some textual corruption at the beginning of chapter 13. It probably does not mean, you know, one year later or two years later. It was probably much, much later. And and so I I think that kind of invites to your point about uh, Jonathan really uh, shining brighter here. You know, it could be that Saul's rather old at this point, and if this is towards the end of his reign, you know, if he mm-hmm. say that he uh, became king when he was, you know, thirty, uh, and he's reigning for you know, thirty, forty years, I mean, he could he could be a little bit older at this point, and so uh, yeah. there's there's a there's a lot of things I think that this kind of all intersects with kind of appreciating the the kind of color of the story here, and it's a little bit of a colorful story, complete with trash talk and everything. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> it'll be it'll be fun to take a look at some of that, but let's uh, let's go ahead and read the chapter first. We got First Samuel chapter fourteen in the English Standard Version. One day, Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young man who carried his armor, "Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side." But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about six hundred men including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes, by which Jonathan sought to go over the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sena. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let's go over to the garrison of those uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden themselves. Mm-hmm. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we'll show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made killed about 20 men within as it were half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah and Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who has gone from us. But when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark 
of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now, while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. Now, the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day, so Saul had laid, on, laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now, when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. So he put out the tip of, his, tip of the staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes became bright. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright, because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they'd found. For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. They struck down the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon, and the people were very faint. The people pounced on the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night, and they slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. And Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people, and know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan my son will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord, God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan, my son, O Lord, God of Israel, give Urim. But if the guilt is in your people, Israel, give Thumim. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Then Saul said, Cast the lot between me and my son, Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you've done. And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I will die. And Saul said, God do so to me, and more also you shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die? who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan, so that he did not die. 
Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly, and struck the Amalekites, and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malkishua, and the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger, Michal. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. There was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he attached him to himself. All right. So, All right. okay, we did it. 52, 52 verses. Uh, you can tell this is one of those where you're, we're going to have to be selective in the conversation today. There's just... No way you can talk about all the interesting things in this yeah. chapter in uh, in one day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I do. So in the, in this back half, which I didn't really talk about as much because it does kind of seem like it, it transitions to a new section. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's this really interesting. Uh, it's this really interesting set of stories that seems to focus uh, really on Jonathan with this rash vow, and of course, uh, rash vows are just. Uh, Oh, fraught with peril throughout the Old Testament. Yes, they are. Uh, yeah. In the in the Pentateuch, uh, in in Judges, I, I mean, you've got you've got these rash vows that just get people into into big trouble. But yet, you know, again, mm -hmm. right? Uh, there's mercy here, and Jonathan is spared. Of course, that just makes his eventual demise more tragic in some ways. Um, but uh, you've you've got that story, which I think is really interesting. Uh, you, you've got kind of this this uh, summary uh, at the end, it's kind of giving us a little bit of this bird's eye view of, mm -hmm. kind of uh, Saul's conquests, and you do get the impression that yeah, he's he's quite the warrior. He's been he's been going at it against all of them. But I think uh, as a whole, the chapter kind of paints this picture of Saul being um, very very demanding, almost. Um, you know, like a, like a bit of a taskmaster when it comes to the people of Israel, which is consistent uh, with Samuel's warning that he gave. Right, that that the king would come and demand things of them and enlist their sons and tax them. And and it's interesting, it, it occurs throughout this chapter, two specific times, really, where Saul is going to inquire of God what to do next, and God isn't answering fast enough. Yeah. And Saul's impatience pushes him to do things on on the one hand that are, I would say, risky. On the other, God still grants blessing, but it shows that, that God's at work here, and it's not Saul, as I mentioned earlier. Saul right. is used by God, but Saul is not the one making the, the good choices. That's right, and, and I think that, that, that um, it's an interesting then thematic connection kind of to the whole of Scripture. We are talking about last time in chapter 13 how... Saul's Saul's sin of failing to wait for Samuel and mm -hmm. overstepping his bounds, right? Like you know, Samuel had, you know, as as God's priest, prescribed something uh, about the sacrifices. It, it's not that kings weren't allowed to offer any sacrifices at all. Um, mm -hmm. that, you know, we see lots of instances, actually, especially as we go forward, of kings doing just that. Uh, but rather, w when the priest says, "Hey, this is how we're going to do it." Everyone has to obey that, even the king. And so he, he oversteps his bounds and, impatiently. And so we're seeing how, in many ways, that you, you can make that connection go back to Abraham, uh, you mm -hmm. know, having impatience um, about what God had prescribed, uh, the promise. Uh, you go back to all the way to the Garden of Eden. You know, God says, hey, this is how we're going to do things. And then, you know, that didn't work out. So, I mean, there really is this, uh, this broad pattern like that. And, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. The, the pattern sort of sort of continues mm -hmm. here this and, this impatience and and it's it's interesting at least as i looked at it that the the men of israel are involved in warfare and they are they are in combat with the philistines as jonathan started the combat then yeah. god used jonathan's bravery and 
moving forward against the enemy, and this shows up again and again in Jonathan's story, that the Jonathan's concern is never what's best for the kingship. It's always what's best for the people. And so he's, he's wanting to challenge the Philistines to see if there's a weak spot. And they, he goes up into this narrow gorge, if you will, and, and they kill about 20 people. But after they kill 20, then God adds a disruption so that the whole Philistine camp and the people gathered around them are, are for lack of a better label, um, terrified. In fact, yeah. to the point that they even start attacking each other, which again goes back to what we hear in the time of Gideon and and the other servants of God earlier, that when the enemy is thrown into confusion, they start killing each other so that God's people are, are helped or spared. And And then the whole issue with Jonathan. What struck me as interesting was that the Israelites have been hiding in caves, etc., because of right. fear of the Philistines. And now, in the midst of this, they're taking back territory where there are spoils, and Saul has said, don't eat anything. Yeah. And, and it's almost like saying, I, I'm afraid you'll stop in the middle of combat to help yourself, and, and the combat won't continue. But what struck me was that there's honey in the forest. This is the land flowing in milk and honey, and there's honey yeah. on the ground. Yeah. We, where, where we live, uh, my wife and I live across the road from an old old church and cemetery, and there are a couple of old cedar trees in that particular cemetery. And in one of those trees, a beehive has been started, and honeybees are storing honey inside that tree. Well, my wife and I oh. were just talking about this day before yesterday. How do we get the honey out of there? There's only one way. It's cut the tree down. But uh-huh. in this story, the bees have have produced so much honey that it's fallen yeah. out of the hive onto the ground. This is God's yeah. bounty on the ground. So, yeah, you know, the, the Lord who provides provides plenty. Yeah, no, and it's really interesting um, the comment that that Jonathan makes there. Where, where he says there, uh, for now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. Uh, which I, we gotta we gotta spend some time talking about that. But there's a, uh, oh man, there's just so, so many things. All right, all right. Well, just one at a time though, one at a time. Let's see if we can. Um, just so just kind of setting it up because it's almost time for our break here already. Mm-hmm. So when we go back to the beginning of the chapter, uh, the the thing that's just so interesting is this juxtaposition between Jonathan on the one hand and then the rest of Israel. The rest of Israel, right? Is shaking in their boots, mm-hmm. uh, terrified. Uh, but Jonathan's like, "Let's let's do this thing." And, and so, because of this pretty significant difference in their attitudes, uh, Jonathan sneaks away, right? I mean, and it's so interesting how the text highlights his but, but he didn't tell his father, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because you know you think of you know young young men sneaking away without telling their parents, and you think it's you know like to go off to do no good, but. Quite the opposite here. So let's just kind of let that simmer. Think about the the big difference. It reminds me of another young man who had a very different attitude than Saul later, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Till then, uh, everybody, short break. We'll be right back. Thy strong word. Looking at First Samuel fourteen. What happen if Jesus came over to your house for dinner and a little chat? He invites you to have a conversation with him that speaks both confrontation and comfort. Dr. Michael Ziegler says Jesus is the guest who will become the host for all who trust in him. That's this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. 
If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Which kind of makes you think that maybe something indeed has... Really fun chapter, all kinds of stuff. One that <clears throat> in a couple different moments, you, you kind of feel mm-hmm. the, the the tension where you're just like, oh man, is Jonathan going to die? <laughs> it happens yeah. a, a few times, but, but again and again and again, whether it's the Philistines or his own father, God saves Jonathan. Um, very, very interesting to see the difference in how Jonathan stands out. We need to ask ourselves on the big picture, um, you know, it's it's not just, you know, a cool story, though. I mean, it is just a cool narration of what happened. But uh, I think that there's there's some stuff, some applications to make about why or how Jonathan is standing out yeah. for us to consider. Um, if you've got any questions or comments, join the conversation. If you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also email any questions or comments, kfuo at kfuo.org, or join the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Uh, the, the questions that have already come in there, there's the, the, the one on verse 12 there, the uh, kind of come up to us and we'll, we'll show you a thing and, and what what's going on with that. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to turn to that in a second. I'm joined today by our guest, Pastor Stephen Tice from Frona, Missouri. Uh, where he lives across the way from a really yummy-looking uh, beehive. <laughs> you were just saying, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so so it's kind of it's kind of uh, yeah interesting to think about this. You know, these these poor Israelites. It's like the honey's just literally overflowing, and and Saul's like, no, don't even think about it. No, not yeah. until the battle's over. You're gonna you're gonna fight first. So uh, yeah, a lot a lot of uh, themes mm-hmm. for us to consider. Before it slips my mind, I also want to thank our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Their website. LHFmissions.org It's plural, LHFmissions.org Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word. So, um, so yeah, we were just saying before the break, it is really interesting the the difference that you've got, you know, very confident Jonathan on the one hand, and then Israel, you know, hiding in holes, right? I mean, when, when the Philistines yeah. actually see him, like, ah, look, they're, you know, they're, they're scurrying about, they must have gotten hungry, right? And they're like, you know, coming out of their, their you know, from mm-hmm. the woodwork. So, I mean, it's, it's really something to see how, you know, it's just Jonathan and his armor bearer who, like, actually have confidence in this moment. Yeah, the, I would say the, the best way to describe that is that they are acting on on the basis of the promises God has made, has given Jonathan faith that God will protect him and bring about good. And in the process, he's he's doing what I would say a leader of God's people would be obligated to do, and that's to challenge the enemy who is mocking God. The other thing that ran into my brain while you were talking just very recently about the uh, the whole issue of of the food and coming out of their holes was was the comment that uh, we hear from Paul quoting the Old Testament, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads the grain. Um, and this is the king telling the people, God has put a supply of food in your, in your presence to give you strength. Don't touch it. it you know, yeah. it's almost a, a, a direct contradiction of the law of God don't muzzle the ox that's treading the grain. Don't keep the soldiers going to combat from being sustained by the spoil of the enemy. I mean, that's not a that's not a law of God. But my mind kind of went that way. And sometimes, you know, I, I have this belief: the Holy Spirit steers those parallel thoughts for us when we have one yeah. part of the scripture come to mind in in relationship to another. But what my thinking yeah. is primarily is Saul is trying to win the battle with his 
skill or his deliberation rather than doing what Jonathan is doing, let's go out. If they say, come up, we'll go up. If they say, we'll come down, we'll wait for them. Either way, God will give us success. And, and Saul isn't got, is not operating in that mindset at all. His mindset is, I have to keep the soldiers moving or we won't succeed. Jonathan's trusting God. Saul is trusting strategy. Yeah, yeah, I th- that's, a, that's a good word to use here, I think, mindset, because I think like you were saying, um, you know, the, the stuff, for instance, about the, the injunction to fast, that's not in itself bad. I mean, it was actually kind of uh, common, it seems, that, you know, b- before the eve of battle sort of thing. I mean, like there's, um, for instance, we saw that even in Revelation where there was um, this comment about, you know, these, uh, referring to the army that was assembled in John's view, um, these mm-hmm. are the, they who have uh, not defiled themselves and, and with women and so forth. Um, going, going back to, I mean, uh, what was actually a pretty common practice that you, that you would actually in these ancient battle situations, there would often be a, uh, a fast of some kind, which mm-hmm. had, had more to do with, you know, you, you don't want your soldiers to be, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, hung over and, and groggy the next day right. but you know so like yeah. there, there's some kind of you know there's some kind of practicalities and, there, and there's some leeway for doing things one way or the other but like you were saying it's the mindset here and Saul's mindset as he demonstrates here in this chapter in 14 and, and the last time too is we we have to win we just we just gotta do this and if mm-hmm. and if God's not going to show up if Samuel's not going to show up then you know by hook or by crook we're going to make this happen you know and and, and it's that mindset that like at all costs mindset that yeah. well I mean, nearly costs him his son here right and and right. then mm-hmm. and then he's willing to go forward with it i mean so it really it really shows you right just how saul it, it, the mindset's wrong cuz it's just he wants to have victory no matter what and um i mm-hmm. mean i don't know i mean maybe it's a little bit speculative but even given the the long list we have at the end of the chapter um, where it seems like he was, in many ways, yeah. victorious. Um, it seems he, like maybe he he's become addicted to his own success. And, and he's, he is also focused on how the people will perceive the battle. Jonathan never once gives a thought to, what is anybody else going to think about this? He's going out, and in this sense, uh, looking ahead to, to David, Jonathan is one who is there to serve God's people, not to serve himself. Saul gives evidence again and again that his primary focus is not serving the people. And we get to Solomon when he first becomes king, and the Lord invites him to ask for anything he wants. Solomon, at least in the beginning of his reign, makes it clear, his concern is serving the people. Right. And this is, this is a mindset that Christ our Lord brings. He is the suffering servant, as Isaiah describes him. But he himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. And then he says to his disciples, the servant is not greater than the master. As you have seen me serve, now you serve. And you use the word mindset, and, and I think that's really uh, the, the mind renewed by the Holy Spirit is, is the mindset we end up with as God's people. And we see, particularly, we talked briefly about this before, that Saul doesn't have the patience to wait for the priest to have an answer. First he says to the priest, to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. And then while he's talking, the tumult of the Philistines increased, and Saul's sure he's going to miss the opportunity to go fight. So he says, forget it, let's not talk to God, now's the time to go. And, right. And this, this recurring desire to get it done now rather than see what God wants me to do next. Well, and can't we can't we relate to that, right? I mean, in our own culture, we we are so transfixed on productivity, right? You know, I'm not being productive. I need to get this done. You know, um, I mean, we always are complaining about enough having enough hours in the day, and you know, are we right. like Saul, just like so? I mean, I'm really ultimately, you know, idolizing our own sense of accomplishment or or need for accomplishment mm-hmm. to the point where we are we are just. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. And we, along the way, just end up neglecting so many good things, whether it's um, by endangering um, e- even the people uh, who are who are closest to us 
or um, like with, with the honey, like failing to appreciate the goodness of God that mm-hmm. he's put there. So, yeah, I, I think you're literally laying out this, uh, this, this pattern, this pattern well. And, um, and, and, you know, with that word mindset, I think we all can feel too, um, mm-hmm. like with, with the way that we experience having a mindset, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that changes, comes and goes. You can have a mindset and it's really amazing how quickly your mindset, mindset changes. And you mentioned, you know, Solomon, uh, who's going to come, you know, a couple Kings later, you know, and, and it's like, this is, I think the pattern that you see, like, even with the good Kings, they, they start out good, right. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the the longer they reign, the, the the worse they get. And so, you know, even though Saul is depicted initially very good, and he, he prefigures Christ mm-hmm. in many um, important ways with his with his humility. Um, even uh, it yeah. just it just seems mm-hmm. like just the inevitability is these kings will always get too big for their own britches. They get big heads. They become addicted to their own mm-hmm. success. You know, I mean, it's uh, it, there really is uh, a lot, a lot to that in terms of the big patterns. But um, without, I don't, I don't want to miss like too many of the, of the, of the details here. It's, I think right. it's good that mm-hmm. we, I think we have connected a lot of the, the big patterns. But, but so, okay, you, you got you got the juxtaposition here, right? Like Saul, he he's he's there with his men. It's a small troop. Um, yep. Seems mm-hmm. like part of it's because people are just too scared to to join him um but yeah so yeah. He, he's there interesting comment here that this kind of answers like a question that may have been floating in the back of our minds what where's the ark of the covenant been all this time who's the high priest anyway after yeah so <clears throat> this seems to mm-hmm. this seems to perhaps answer the question that um it would have been um ahijah since he's the one who's in shiloh apparently right. with the ark so that that kind of answers this like question that's been floating around which is which is interesting all by itself because it just kind of says like hey even though samuel's kind of the main leader guy for for a time it, he wasn't necessarily the, even the 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 high priest which which is interesting to kind of stop and consider all by itself not that we have time to do that but right, uh right. but then but <laughs> but but then but then you have you ha- then you have the the moment right he sneaks away uh you know and he says look this is going to be the sign. This is really interesting. And you were talking about his confidence, the nature of his confidence, right? He is he is looking for a sign, and mm-hmm. he's talking about it in terms of the Lord. And he says, if they say, come up to us, then we'll go up. For the Lord has given them into our hands. So, I mean, this is really interesting. Right. Even though he's sneaking away, and this seems maybe presumptuous or reckless or something, it's clear here that he is actually looking for a sign from God. Yes, he he believes that God goes into combat for and with the people, and that that God will give a victory, not not his military strength, power, wisdom, etc. And as he as he does this, you know, his his servant is devoted to him, and and this connection of the servant following Jonathan rather than being worried about what the king Saul, Jonathan's father, will say also teaches that we need to be listening to those who follow God's word and God's leadership rather than those who merely have a position of authority but don't pay attention to what God says. And that's a real challenge in our own country, every country of the world, but in our own country right now because we we don't, you know, what has God said about things like uh, a social distancing and and wearing masks and those types of things that have become really important in our current cultural situation. And what God says is, listen to your government, obey them, they are my servants for your good, unless they tell you to do that which is not God's instruction. And and so here we have this this challenge, if I can say that Jonathan is is willing to go out to fight the enemy. And the text tells us that there were those who were Hebrews who had gone over to to join the Philistines for some reason, and now when they see things going the other way, well, they'll switch sides. Opportunists, I guess you'd call them. But yeah. in the process, in the process, what we are told is that when those who had hidden themselves in the hill country heard the Philistines were fleeing, they came too. And what we what right. we find is the Lord saved Israel that day, verse twenty three. There's, there's no doubt about it. The author of First Samuel is telling us it wasn't Jonathan, it wasn't Saul, it wasn't the soldiers, it was Yahweh who saved his people that day. 
and he did it by a miraculous intervention of the tumult and the earthquake and Saul yeah. having said, you know, don't eat any food and all the ways that human beings try to plan to protect, preserve, enhance, God is still the one who has to give victory. One other thing I wanted to comment on, you had made this statement earlier about being so busy. I like to oh, remind yeah. people that that we fall easily into the trap of seeing ourselves as human doings rather than human beings. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, and, and the, the Lord regularly says to us, take one day and seven for rest. Yeah. Stop running and sit. Be still and know that I am God. Um, I like to encourage people to to remember that the Lord gives rest first, then he gives work to do. There was evening and there yeah. was morning, day one, day two. And so, so we have this rest that God gives us in Christ Jesus, and then we can go out to do the work, as opposed to the idea that we work and work and work, and then maybe God will let us rest. Right. It, yeah. yeah. That, 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 I... I really like that. I'm, I'm, I'm writing that down there. We're, we're human beings, not human doings. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, for all the uh, attention that people pay to uh, Genesis 1, for example, right, I, I think that, what, like, if not the—it's hard to say it's the biggest idea, but, like, one of the, like, top, like, two or three ideas is mm-hmm. rest in that chapter. Yeah. Um, and, 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 we, and we don't even appreciate it because, I mean, it's actually at the end of every day— that God stops and rests mm-hmm. even, um, yeah. as, I, as I think what the text is getting at. So, I mean, like, among other things, really just seeing that, that, you know, I, I think it should move us in humility that it's like, whoa, hang on, if God actually stops when when night falls <laughs> to, to rest, you know, we shouldn't just be like, you know, burning the, the candle at both ends, right, as, as they say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that, that, point's, uh, that point's well taken. Um, all right, well, so we, we got to just kind of, I think, le- take one last look at this first section and just move on. So, sure. um, oh, okay, so he's looking for a sign, uh, Jonathan is. So there, there is already a difference, right? Saul's just like, we're just going to do this, you know? Um, but, but Jonathan's like, hey, look, maybe we'll go do it, maybe we won't. It's, it's up to God, though. So that's, that's pretty interesting. And, and I think you had pointed out like, at the beginning of the hour— um, you, you see the, the Philistines are just confident, right? Like, ah, look, you know, let's mm-hmm. go get them. It reminds me a lot of uh, the Red Sea crossing. Um, and in fact, you do get that, yeah. that line later, which is practically a quote from Exodus. that says the, the Lord saved Israel that day. Pra- practically a quote from Exodus from the Red Sea crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is very similar, right? Like that Pharaoh, you know, sees... Oh, hey, look, you know, there, there they are. Like this is, I mean, and they're, they're, they're there with their, you know, their, their children and their cattle and their sheep, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and in here, in here, the Hebrews are with their sharpened plowshares, right? Ah, easy pickings, right? Let's get them. Uh, yeah, and and it's just kind of the same situation. They go charging in, and they go charging in uh, to their own demise. Um, I mean, I mean, so, and then you get this really interesting, it feels like judges, right? Where like Jonathan, mm-hmm. like superhuman, just, you know, pow, this like one, uh, the first initial hit just, I mean, you know, it even says later the earth quaked. So like, I mean, what, what do you, I don't know, any, anything else to make of just kind of, uh, the, 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 the cockiness, right. Of the Philistines and then just the yeah. powerful reversal surprise that they get. Well, and this is, again, Scripture repeats this in multiple ways in different places. The Lord causes those who are proud to stumble or fall, and then he lifts up the lowly. The one who is filled with pride has really put themselves in front of God, and that's, that's what God is not going to tolerate. Jonathan, on the other hand, is not going out with pride. He's simply saying... God will win the day today. Whether he uses a few or a lot, God's still going to do it. Let's go find out how he's going to use us. And and in this context of the the Lord really despises the proud spirit, is a call for you and me to remember that we need to be humble as well. And as we humble ourselves, the Lord will lift us up. We don't need to put ourselves forward. We don't need to be successful in the sense of the world's ideas. The Lord calls us simply to be faithful, and he will give us the blessing that follows. And we yeah, see that I, amplified in Jonathan here. 
Yeah, and, and then further amplified when you when you get to the the New Testament and and the, that that language of you know uh, this will be the sign to us or this shall be the sign to you mm-hmm. as the angel said and um, you know and and how Mary uh, goes and, and takes the the song of Hannah and, and talks about you know the the proud being scattered. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really yeah you, you see of course in the Lord Jesus people looked at him and said like oh what who is this you know this is a this is mm-hmm. a carpenter all right or you know uh, when you get to Pilate he looks at him and, and Pilate's not being super pious he's just like. <laughs> Guys, really? Like, I, I thought you were bringing an insurrectionist or something. This guy's he's, he's <laughs> yeah. harmless. He's harmless. Nothing, he just, he, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, that, that's one of the best things about Jesus Christ superstars. They, they get that. That pilot's just looking at him like, guys, this, this, this guy can't hurt a, hurt a fly. Uh, and, and so, I mean, mm-hmm. it's dismissive. It's dismissive. And, and so, you know, the, the forces of evil, of course, dismiss the Lord Jesus, and they get really surprised where death itself gets swallowed up. And so um, it, it is really quite something where in, in verse 12 they say mm-hmm. you know come up to us and we'll show you a thing uh, i think the best i i can try to like improve upon the translation might be something like you know like you know come on up here so we can so we can show you what's what uh something because mm-hmm. i mean that that word there is 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 dabar which is like thing like like is in like yeah. a happening like like a happening um it, it's mm-hmm. like how the, the the shepherds talked about you know this thing that has happened among us, right? So it's not like a situation. And so I I think this kind of reflects that pride that says, you know, hey guys, uh, okay, you've got your ideas and you you got your, you know, spirituality, right? But this is how things work. Let me tell you how it really is, Mm -hmm. right? Let me me show you how how things really work. And, And it's that kind of, confidence of like you know we think we we have all the facts and we know how the world you know really is you know we have the truth here and so the philistine's like yeah we'll show you what what's real you know we'll, we'll show you what what real confidence is made of mm-hmm. it's us in, we're, in we're our, in our numbers yeah. yeah that's right we're gonna school you exactly yeah i know i yeah. should put that there right like the tice translation but so but yeah <laughs> but so uh but yeah so yeah it's, it's, it's exactly that i think that it's just the yeah. people who think that they've got it all figured out right end up getting really mm-hmm. surprised because yeah. you, you, yeah. n- you never can figure it all out when you when you got God. Um, so so just, okay, so skipping ahead then a little bit. Um, so just briefly then, uh, talking about this situation here. So, okay, there's the, the great confusion. Um, but mm-hmm. we, we have in verse 24 this this kind of, it seems like a little bit of a flashback. You have the, the pluperfect here had been hard-pressed that day. You even have that in the Hebrew so we're getting this background now. After we've already been told about the victory, right? This is fa- this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Victory's already been uh, narrated. Now we're getting this this like flashback. So what what's yeah. the point of, of flashing back and, and telling us about all this that had happened um, before the victory was won? Well, I think part of part of the reason is to help us recognize that Saul was not the cause of the victory. Saul's efforts yeah. didn't bring about the victory, and in fact. Even within Saul's family, and we see this amplified when later we're told at the end of the chapter about his two daughters, one of whom later marries David, and then that marriage is not only destroyed by Saul, he attempts to kill his son-in-law. It's not Saul who is the solution. And, and I find this fascinating for me personally when you get to the New Testament and you have the man from the tribe of Benjamin named Saul who thinks he's got it all figured out and he's going to fix the problem. And God opens his eyes by blinding him for three days. Here we well, have. Well, no, and, and that's. I, re- I really like that you uh, made, made the connection there between this Saul and the, that other Saul of Tarsus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I think you're right that this story shows that, yeah, you know what? They won not because of Saul, but in fact, in spite of Saul. Right. Because if mm-hmm. Saul had had his own way, Jonathan would have died. And he was the one that God used to actually make the victory happen, right? So Saul almost destroyed the whole thing. So right. I, I think I think you're right. This really does highlight. Hey guys, now mm, this this is not going Saul's you know win column here. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- I think I think that's important. But I think that it, it, again, showing Saul that he's in the wrong, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that he's damned here. And I think I think we got to oh. take a step back because because I, I think that. It's easy to read all this and say, like, oh, look, you know, uh, Saul, he, he started off good, ended bad, you know, like, and it's it just, we, we feel like he had, like, a, a tragic fate, you know, and, and, and we, we might even just, 
I mean, there's a certain healthy way that you can kind of be fearful, I think. But you don't, mm -hmm. I, I think, I don't, I don't think it's the right way to read the text is to say, like, you know, oh, he was a faithful believer who was fated to fall away from the faith. Like, I don't think actually any of this says that he died apostate or something. I, I think no. this is just uh, the ups and downs of, of the people of God. And, and it's particularly interesting that when he sees the people are eating the, the animals without draining the blood, then he is very certain that we need not offend God. Let's fix this. He, he still does his role yeah. in the midst of his confusion about how it all works. He still is concerned about the spiritual needs of the people. And just like pastors in Christian congregations today, we're concerned about spiritual needs. Sometimes we highlight that and focus on it well. Other times we just miss what's right in front of us. And, and God still works through his church, through his word. And as you said earlier, in spite of Saul, sometimes in spite of me, God gets it done. Um, and, and this whole understanding as we get to the end of the chapter where Saul says, wherever he turned, he routed his enemies. And he did valiantly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why was he able to do that? Because he was the Lord's anointed. That's right. And we get yeah. into that particularly when we encounter David later, who was called a man after God's own heart. Here we yeah. don't see Saul as a man after God's own heart, but yet he still is concerned that God's will be done. That's he just right. isn't quite sure how to do it. No, that, that that's yeah. That, I think thank you for for just like I think bringing some clarity to that. You know, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot of repentance that we're we're, we're getting led on to to see that the God's mm -hmm. working in Saul's life, and and yeah, even even later, you know, he's going to be turned against David, right? Um, but like none of that means that oh he's 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 apostate and like I mean because yeah you're right in pointing out um, he does in fact like say hey wait guys stop let's see what the priest says um, he does say wait stop eating the blood because they were so ravenous right that now they're just they don't care they're not even you know um, cleansing the meat like they're supposed to stop stop doing this let's I'll let you eat just stop sinning I mean so so he he is he is trying and I and I think that what the, what that means is not that well if you if you keep trying. You're, you're you're really you really have faith by your own effort or something, but just that it's actually mm -hmm. a sign that he he does have faith. But but yes, he, God is still working repentance through him, and um, yeah, it's it's going to be a kind of bumpy road here. But that's that is the Christian life, and I think in some ways this should be encouraging to us that you know may, maybe we look at all the bumps in our own lives and we think like you know am I, do I even have faith? You know, can I even call myself a Christian? But you know what this is this is really when you look at any of the figures in Scripture. I mean, how, how this works. Think of mm -hmm. Peter, think of Saul, think of whoever. Um, faith's yes. a bumpy ride, but God's the one mm -hmm. who gives the victory in the end. So Yes, and, and he's given that to us because of what Christ does for us, did and still does for us today. And, and there's our sure and certain hope. Even in the midst of things that we are not able to control or predict, there is one who has already conquered. And, and oh. in Jesus, as Paul puts it in Romans, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are, in Amen. fact, co-heirs of, of the, the reign of God. Amen. And Jonathan points to that when he says, here, here I am, I'll die. I'll die for your mistake and for your rash vow. That, that's, that's what Christ does when he shows up for us. Thank you so much, brother. I love having, uh, I love these conversations. Uh, take care. God bless you, your wife, everyone there in, in Frona, and uh, hopefully that, that honey falls on its own. So, Everybody, that was Pastor Stephen Tice from Frona, Missouri, uh, going on to actually uh, Chapter 15. Tell then, I'm Pastor A.G. Espinosa. Peace. To continue, you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.